0: Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.
1: While stocks have made a remarkable comeback in the last few months, there's one issue that hasn't been resolved, a lack of steady income for investors. The Federal Reserve said last week to expect near zero rates through 2022 which means investors won't be making much money on bond yields and don't expect anything from a savings account. Stock dividend payments may be the only sure thing, or at least close to it. I'm Alex Ewell. This week on The Readback, I'm chatting with Lawrence Strauss, who just wrote Barron's latest cover story on dividend investing. Hey, Lawrence. Hi, Alex. Thanks for coming on. Nice to be here with you. So for a while, as the economy was shutting down, stocks were tumbling, one of the big worries for investors was that dividends were likely to disappear. And and I remember when Walt Disney decided to suspend their dividends fairly early in our lockdown. Disney will be suspending the payment of its dividend in the first half of the year, which they say will preserve around $1.6 billion in cash. Now, this comes as the company announces that COVID-19 cost Disney $1.4 billion to its bottom line in the quarter. That includes- That kind of just felt like the first of many dividend cuts and suspensions to come, which was a scary thing for investors who rely on these dividends for income. That's not quite what's happened. Tell us a little more. No, you're absolutely
0: right, Alex. The initial sentiment was one of fear about dividends getting cut or worse suspended. And while there have been some high-profile cases, like Disney, which you point out, the overall picture isn't as bad as one would have thought starting back in March. Again, there have been some cuts and suspensions. By our count, about 14% of the dividend-paying stocks in the S&P 500 have suspended or cut their dividends, suggesting that you know, more than 80% of those
1: companies are still paying dividends and in some cases increasing them. So it's not, the sky is not falling. So 14% of them have cut. But I feel like, you know, if you had asked me early on what percentage would have cut, I would have guessed more like 80%. So we're not even close to that. Absolutely.
0: Because in the US, the dividend cuts have been mostly confined to a few sectors, notably energy, consumer discretionary areas like retailing, cruise lines, hotels. And to some extent industrials, but it's been it's been fairly contained in the U.S. compared to uh, other parts of the world, especially Europe. And then again, when you look at dividend cuts, it's been more mid and small cap companies have had to bear the brunt of that because they don't have the financial wherewithal that larger companies do. In early March, early to mid-March, there was a wave of high-profile cuts, you know, Marriott International, Ford. There was definitely some high-profile cuts, and I think people thought this was gonna turn into a
1: major wave, but it really hasn't. Okay, so that all makes sense. So basically, it's been the hardest hit areas of the economy where the cuts and suspensions have happened, plus among the smaller companies that simply just don't have that wherewithal, larger when it comes to dividends has been safer here. Absolutely right. And there have actually been some dividend increases along the way. Yes, there
0: have. Johnson & Johnson, the large healthcare conglomerate, Procter & Gamble, Costco, they've all raised their dividends during this pandemic. And that shows you that companies that are strong with a lot of solid cash flow, good balance sheets, And durable businesses have been
1: able to raise their dividends in this climate. Let's take a step back for a minute and just talk about dividends. And I mean, they've always been important for investors seeking kind of steady income. Why are dividends now, though, more important than ever? Well, a couple of reasons,
0: Alex. Uh, One thing we, as we know at the top of our story, is that there are a couple of tracks for dividends. One is people who rely on the income typically retirees. It's very important. It's also a pathway to building long-term wealth. Total return is capital appreciation plus the dividend paid out. And over time, that really accumulates and gives you an even bigger return.
1: And capital appreciation, just to clarify, basically we're talking about the gain in the stock price, plus you add the dividend payment on top of that and you get your total return. Exactly right. And so you're saying that's just always been an important tool for retirees. But there have always been other ways for retirees or anyone else in the market to make income on their money. Now you don't have as many choices anymore, right? That's right. Bond yields are very low for
0: several reasons, notably the uh, Federal Reserve uh, keeping rates near zero. And essentially the competition for stocks has certainly gotten weaker. And
1: investors have fewer options when it comes to yield right now. And give us a sense, what is the typical yield? Like if I, if I want to expect to make a certain return off of my stocks, what am I going to get these days?
0: Well, right now, the S&P 500 is yielding about 1.8%. That's a little bit lower than it's been recently. Typically, it's been around 2%. And 2% is a lot higher than what you're getting on a 10-year treasury, which has been anywhere from
1: you know, 05 or 6%. Less than 1% on a treasury. Exactly. Definitely less than 1% there. Okay. And I want to talk about some specifics a little bit later. But before we get there, the other thing that we see happening in terms of dividends right now, that there's this dynamic with how companies are deciding to give money back to shareholders. For many years, there was increasing popularity for what we call buybacks or stock repurchases, where a company would sort of take some of their excess cash flow and give it back to investors by basically buying back their own stock. It's a little bit complicated, but it basically means there are fewer shares outstanding. So every dollar in earnings gets spread among a fewer number of shares, which essentially is a way of giving back money to investors. Of course, the other way is you just paid a dividend where you actually, every quarter, in some cases, every half a year, you hand a check to investors. So buybacks versus dividends has always been a dynamic. Where are we right now in that uh, give and take, push and pull between buybacks and dividends?
0: Well, as you say, Alex, buybacks have been incredibly popular, especially larger companies over the last 20, 25 years. The amount paid back or bought back by companies of stock is a lot higher than what they paid out in dividends overall, depends on the company, but definitely a lot more money has been allocated to buybacks. But more recently, The scale has been tipping more toward dividends. Uh, There's definitely been some political pressure on buybacks even before this pandemic. And as we've gotten into this pandemic situation, uh, there's been more scrutiny of buybacks and certain companies have stopped doing that. McDonald's, for instance, stopped doing buybacks recently, but they are still paying a dividend.
1: Right. And, and wasn't it early in the, in the crisis, the eight largest banks said, we are going to stop our buybacks, but they've continued paying dividends.
0: That's right. And they're still paying their dividends and they seem committed to paying those dividends for
1: now. Yeah. And, and just give us a little more like the political landscape around buybacks. Is it that somehow buybacks feel like rewarding shareholders, corporate favoritism in, in a way that dividends are more f- for the masses?
0: I think that's a, lot, a big part of it, Alex. I think dividends are seen as sort of bedrock investing for uh, retail investors, it's a way for them to get more uh, return on a stock. Buybacks, sometimes are seen as more of a benefit to perhaps company managements because they can get rewarded on how well a stock
1: does. It's not the same as paying someone money in their pocket. Right. And I just, because I want to point out the benefit of a buyback is not, as we said, it's not giving a check to an investor. It's helping push up your stock price. Whereas a dividend is kind of independent of the stock price. In a sense, you're actually sending a check.
0: That's right, and there were definitely people I spoke to in doing the story for Barrons this week who really thought that the the heyday of buybacks could be waning. Well, we'll see what happens. It depends on what happens in November, of course. It depends how things settle down. But th- there is some thought out there that that the heyday of buybacks is waning.
1: So, if the heyday of buybacks is waning, all this money we're talking about for buybacks and dividends is sort of coming from the same pot. So, what would that mean for dividends? Do you think? Well, I think it bodes well for dividends. It means companies could certainly allocate
0: even more money to dividends if they chose to. It's less competition for dividends if there's less money
1: going to buybacks. And uh, I think overall, it, uh, it bodes well. Okay. And, and you've talked about in, in your stories, the increased demand for dividends. I mean, it's, it, this is not just an academic thing. We're actually seeing the fund industry respond to the dividend demand, Right. Absolutely. There's a lot more funds today
0: than there were 10 years ago, so-called equity income funds. That's another way for saying dividend stock funds. Um, There's a lot more of those funds out there today. There's more demand for those types of assets. And I think uh, that will continue.
1: And basically, that would mean, you know, if you're you're interested in a steady income, rather than picking individual stocks, you let the fund manager pick a basket of dividend paying stocks for you. Right. And there's
0: also perhaps an incentive for companies now seeing the investor base changing a bit and seeing more more funds out there dedicated to dividends you know that could change their thinking perhaps either initiating a dividend or if they're paying a dividend now they could even pay a higher dividend
1: there have been a lot of questions obviously around inequality in our country and there's still only part of our country that owns stocks in retirement accounts so not everyone benefits from dividends but certainly there is a quality of dividends that feels, as you said, it's kind of old school investing. It, 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 it feels like it's the most equal thing a company can do um, if a corporate, if you can do anything even close to equal in the stock market.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And you know, everyone uses the image of a mom and pop investor out there, and I think for those people, you know having having that dividend that's definitely money in their pocket, and if they could have you know an even higher dividend over time, that's probably a good thing. They can either reinvest the the money into the stock they hold or they could they can you know withdraw it and use it for retirement needs or whatever. but I think overall it does help the smaller
1: investor out there one of the things that really stood out to me in your story that I just found so fascinating was that technology stocks have become a major contributor to the markets dividends. And why that's so interesting is because for years, tech stocks were seen as just like growth companies. They didn't want to spend their money on paying dividends to investors. They just wanted to pour everything back into growth. But actually, as, as you know, 17% of the dividends in the S&P 500, those payments now come from the tech industry. That's up from, uh, you say, 5.5% in 2005. That's remarkable. And it kind of speaks kind of to the changing ideas around dividends, I think. What else, what, what's going on there? Well, I think more tech companies, as they hit a
0: certain uh, size and level, they realize that they can still grow, but they can return cash to shareholders. Microsoft has been paying a dividend since 2003. They were one of the early ones. But you know, a lot of other tech companies out there, Cisco Systems, Oracle, they, they pay dividends. One thing to note on tech dividends, however, is that the yields tend to be rather low. Uh, Microsoft right now yields about 1.1% one, 1. or 1%. And overall, the tech stocks in the S&P 500 yield about 1.2%. That's really one of the lowest yields of any sector. So a lot of companies in that sector are paying dividends and allocating more capital to dividends. You're not getting huge yields. But the good news is a lot of those yields are growing, and these tech companies have big balance sheets and lots of cash flow, and they continue to grow these dividends and I think they realize that it's becoming increasingly important to their investor bases to pay a dividend, and that uh, they they plan to keep doing that
1: so speaking of tech and, and sort of more let's let's dive into some specifics because in your story, you have some a great list of companies that, that you think investors should look for, investors that are interested in dividends should look for. Give us a little bit about the flavor of the list, how you came up with it, and then a few of the, of the companies you mentioned.
0: Sure. I based this list on my uh, reporting and talking to fund managers and financial advisors and a few other sources. And we try to come up with some companies that are fairly durable, have good, strong um, cash flow, and that have decent yields and have, have the good prospect to, to grow their dividends uh, in the coming years. So it was really across the board. We had a couple of tech names, which we've talked about, including uh, LAM Research and Texas Instruments. We had Procter & Gamble, which makes things like toilet paper and paper towels. They actually raised their dividend earlier this year, um, Johnson & Johnson. We had one large international biotech company, Roche Holding. And then we had a utility next day, our Energy, which is um, growing its dividend nicely. So just a cross-section of companies that we thought are uh, well-fortified, durable businesses, good cash flow, strong balance sheets,
1: and the like. And what surprised me is you actually managed to get a retailer on there and a restaurant chain.
0: Yeah, McDonald's was a little bit, not not riskier, but there's definitely a little more um, thought about that one because obviously they have been hit by the pandemic, but they've kept things going. They have a lot of drive-through business, and they have a good... strong cash flow that looks like it's going to hold up through this, and it's also yielding over 2%. So we thought we would try to get a stock in there that looks pretty good with with a decent yield. And what about that retailer? Yeah, Home Depot is an interesting case because they actually were allowed to keep their stores for the most part open during the pandemic um, because they were seen as an essential uh, retailer. And they they continue to uh, crank out business. I think their earnings are expected to go down slightly this year, this fiscal year, but, but not much, maybe a few percentage points. And the CEO seems committed to the dividend. They have strong free cash flow. So overall, we thought among retailers, they were very well positioned.
1: Let's just take... One last big step back, I'm interested, you have spent a lot of time looking at dividends, you, you write about them every week. What advice do you have for investors that are really feeling both nervous now um, about the markets and, and really desperate for, for income?
0: Sure, I think there are a couple things to think about here. One is, you have to keep this in broad perspective. The, the dividend world is not cratered, it hasn't gone away. Yes, there have been pockets of disruption, Certain sectors, as we've said, energy, uh, certain consumer discretionary, certain industrial companies have had to cut or suspend. But by and large, dividends, especially at larger companies, have held up. There are companies that are increasing their dividends. And I think overall, the dividend universe is actually in in pretty good shape. And it should come out of this in an even better shape because I think there's going to be a lot of demand. Beyond that, I think people need to take a look at the individual companies if they're not sure about a, a few companies. And there are a few high-level metrics that you can take a look at if you're concerned about a company and the safety of its dividend. That includes things like a, a company's dividend payout ratio. In other words, what percentage of the earnings are being paid out in dividends? You know, if it's very high, if it's 70 80 90%, that gives a company less flexibility. You might want to take a second look at that. Another one is the uh, debt levels. You want you don't want to see companies with, you know, huge huge debt levels. That means there's less money available to pay the dividend. Again, there's no rule of thumb on that, but you want to you know, avoid companies with very very high debt levels. And beyond that, free cash flow, which is a metric that a lot of analysts take a look at. Essentially, that's the amount of cash a company is generating after it pays its capital expenditures. And you want to see that a company is paying its dividend with that free cash flow. If it's not, that's not a good sign. I know ExxonMobil has not been doing that; they've been using other methods, like selling assets and things like that. So you want to see
1: strong free cash flow that that that's covering the dividend to actually pay it. Wow! And so that kind of feels like the simplest of, of of all lessons, right? The company needs to have the money in the bank and coming in from the business in order to fund the dividend. That's what you want to see. That's right. It's like a family and their
0: finances. If you're if you're relying to heavily on credit cards and not, uh, not paying as you go. Um, that's a concern. Same with companies. You want to be able to fund your dividend with your pre-cash flow.
1: Got it. Lawrence, this was great. I mean, it was just particularly useful and I hope investors and listeners will, will get something out of this. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. To read Lawrence's cover story on dividends, check out the latest issue of Barron's and as always Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The Readback is produced by Metaluxhoff and Katie Ferguson. We'll be back next week. This
0: message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.